Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, in which I interview my old friend, Sal Santor. But first, the real Rosencruz. <laughs> Today, for reasons which will come as no surprise to those of you who paid close attention to episode 45, and for the rest of you, will become clear in an hour and 15 minutes, I will be reciting highlights from The Golden Dawn Requiem. In keeping with the spirit, I will perform this requiem for Ani. Supernal splendor which dwellest in the light to which no man can approach, wherein is mystery and depth unthinkable and awful silence, I beseech thee who art Shekinah and down upon me in this ceremony, which I perform in thine honor, and to ask for the assistance of those who have passed through the veil. Grant thine aid unto the highest aspirations of my soul. In thy divine name, your by which thou dost reveal thyself as the perfection of creation and the light of the world to come, I implore thee to grant unto me the presence of thine archangels of Thou prince of spiritual initiation, through suffering and strife against evil, aid me, I beseech thee, to transcend the evil that is in me, so that I may be enabled to perform a higher and more divine work. O ye strong and mighty ones of the sphere of Shabbat O ye I conjure ye by the mighty name of your of Elohim, the divine ruler of your realm, and by the name of Gokil, your archangel, aid me with your power in your office. Place a veil between me and all things belonging to the outer and lower world. Let it be a veil woven from that silent darkness which surrounds your abode of eternal rest. That in this chamber of the divine mystery I may hear nothing that comes not from on high. And see not that may distract my vision from the ineffable glory of the supernal. 
Grant unto me, I beseech thee, the power of the Spirit to bring the brilliance of the eternal splendor to one who has now entered the invisible. Lift me, I beseech thee, Lift me up so that I may be made a divine messenger, bearing the peace and harmony of the higher spirit to Ani, whose death to this plane we do now commemorate. Wherever Ani may now be, and on whatever plane he may now pursue his ideal, let him be blessed with a more divine rest and another cessation from strife. Term of all that liveth, whose name is death and inscrutable, be thou favorable unto us in thine hour, and unto him from whose mortal eyes the veil of physical life hath fallen, grant that there may be the accomplishment of his true will. Should any will to absorb into the infinite, or to be united with his chosen and preferred, or to be in contemplation, or to be at peace, or to achieve the labor and heroism of incarnation on this planet or another, or in any star, or aught else. Unto Ani may there be granted the accomplishment of his true will. So let's get to the interview, shall we? Greetings, Fratter. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. So this is Salvatore Santoro. Yeah. Or Sal Santoro. Yeah. Well, uh, most people call him Sal. Except in the community. Yeah, I have a whole... Oh, in the, the community. Yeah, I'm Sir, Sir Nick professionally. Sir Nick. And which community is it? It's the Los Angeles BDSM community. Okay. For it's my, like 30 years of my life. BDSM. Now that's bondage... Bondage and, and discipline, sadism, and masochism. Okay. And now we were talking in the temple earlier mm -hmm. about how that can be a form of healing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I go around and I, I teach classes all over the country, and I have been for years. And, um, you know, I, I started to realize early on that S&M, you know, a lot of people would connect it with physical sexuality. Right. And as we know, sexuality is, that's, it's a small percentage of what it really is all about. It's about the right. mind. And, and like... Yeah, there's plenty of other chakras. Yeah, there's plenty of other, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I started working with with different systems from my background mm -hmm. years ago in, in the minimal amount of years that I had in the Golden Dawn, as well as a lot of reading and a lot of groups that I moved on with through my life that were all kind of centered around the same stuff. Um, now, in, in BDSM, you've got the dominant and the submissive. And um, when most people go and they, they have their scenes they try to take the submissive to what is most commonly called subspace. And uh, about 10 years ago, 
I started looking at subspace and realizing that there was more to it than submissive space. Hmm. A lot of people want to connect it. When you ask a dominant or a submissive, a lot of times they'll, you can ask them, what is subspace to you? And they'll, they'll tell you, it's a place where you get tingly. It's, it's a place where you get to just chill out and you go within yourself. And they, they'd explain these things, but they, they would always go back to some people saying, oh, it's where a submissive stands. Hmm. Some people believe that. It's a, it's, it's a place that they get this fuzzy feeling and then the dominant gets to use different tools on them and then they, in turn, will kind of coast out. Well, I started looking at that and realizing it really wasn't submissive space. It was subconscious space. Hmm. And um, I started further studying and realizing that when you use equipment in SM, like the floggers, the floggers are a softer, multi-tailed whip with about anywhere between 30 and 40 tails on it. And they are about 28 to 30 inches. When you use them, that's, that's the first tool you use in a scene. And it creates the environment and it allows the person to really just relax. It's not a painful tool. It's more of just something that it's like hypnotic almost. So I started developing what I call the metronome effect, which is essentially keeping time. And at the same time, having the, the submissive or bottom in the scene breathe. And I, I started using the fourfold breath and I would teach them that. And usually when a scene would start prior to me flogging them, I would go up and I take my middle finger of my right hand and I put it at the base of their occipital bone. And then I take the middle finger of my left and I place it over their third eye and I work in a clockwise motion. When I'm doing that, I'm having them do the fourfold breath, bringing in through the nose, hold for four, then exhale out the mouth, hold for four, and repeat. And while I'm doing that, with my finger over the third eye, I'm cupping my hand so they're recirculating their breath mm. and allows them to just get into that space. Then I'll step back and I'll use the floggers and I'll start building a tempo. And over time, I started, you know, I started seeing more and more connections, how the, it can be used for things not just sexual. You know, how when you take a, a person into subspace, they get to deal with things in their life that they may, may not want to talk to other people about. They will have recollections of things that they've repressed. They will bring up good times in their childhood or bad times or things that, you know, maybe they, they need to deal with or they want to deal with. And all this comes from the beginnings of subspace. And in my classes, I will teach people that, you know, we live in the conscious. Like most metaphysicians understand or occultists understand, the layman people really don't as much. Um, but, you know, how... We live in the conscious mind, and we, we eat, and we sleep, and we shit, and we piss, and we drink, and go to our jobs every day. But when you step into the realms of the subconscious or the super conscious, or you're dealing with Akashic Records yeah. on a world view, yeah. you're tapping into that, and you can change with vibration you know, on, on those levels. And it all just keys back into everything I learned in Golden Dawn. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am at with my teaching, and it's starting to spread. People are wanting more of my classes now. And when I play with people or work with people that are sub submissive, 
you know, things will come up. I, 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 when I first tripped across it, it was 1999 or 2000. And, uh, I had gone to a play party up in Oakland, California. And when I was at the party, everybody was kind of doing their scenes all night. We were all playing, but they also partook in spirits and enjoyed some alcohol or whatever they they enjoyed. I've always been straight edge my whole life. Never done drugs or alcohol. And um, that's just the way it works for me. So by three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, everybody's either fucked out or passed out <laughs> and doing their own little groove. And so I'm hanging out in this house and there's a knock on the door by like 4.30 and there's this beautiful young lady that walks in. And she's like, I'm here for the play party. I heard about it. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm the only person up. Let's hang out. So we just started talking. And um, I'm like, do you want to play? And she's like, yeah. So we, we got our scene going. It was, it was a pretty strong scene. You know, I got her into her zone. And this is now this is before I really started making the connection between the two where I'm at today. Um, I started playing with her. And as I'm working with her with the floggers and getting her to, to breathe on her own, I'm not putting that into it yet, she's breathing on her own. And she has this scene that lasts with me about an hour and a half. Hmm. And by the end of the hour and a half, she comes down and she's crying. Now that happens a lot. It, it It's... It's releasing endorphins. It's not that I caused her pain, that I was hurting her. Because I, I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of how that works in BDSM, which I can explain later. But it wasn't a heavy scene on that level. It was emotional. Yeah. And more started coming out. So we sat down, and she had subdrop, which is usually where the submissive comes out of it. And you're just hanging out together. And I was holding on to her, just talking, wasn't doing anything perverse. We were just kind of hanging out. And she was silent. And so finally, the, the tears would stop. So I got some water in her and I gave her some chocolate because you want to get the sugars back in the body, things like that. And she's like, I just realized something. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? She's like, my dad was molesting me as a child and I didn't even hmm. remember that until you did all this. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh my God, did I touch you the wrong way? And she's like, no, no, you, it wasn't you touching me. It was going into my, my subconscious mind and bringing this up. And after she went through that experience that night, we stayed in touch. And over the years, she approached her father about that. And they got counseling. And now they're better. Wow. And that's when I realized that this is serious. It's not about erections. It's not about cock and vagina. It's, it's, it's about the mind. It's about the subconscious and working with those levels. And when a dominant comes up and they're doing their scene, they are really like a, like a catalyst. Okay? They yeah. generate energy hmm. with their tools. And to be a good dominant, you should almost be in like a monk state of mind. It's not about ego. It's not, it's not about nefesh. It's not about any of those things. It's, it's about being so at one that you really are there to like take this the person. Hires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people outside the world, Fifty Shades of Grey and all that crap that's out there, they don't realize that that's what it's about. So the idea of the dominant actually is the generator and the submissive is actually the director 
it's it's almost oxymoronic to, to some people unless they really get what's going on mm -hmm. because really it's about the sub and if it's not about the sub then it's coercement yeah you know what i mean yeah so that is super important so generation and direction of energy is Super, super important. Yeah, it's, come get initiated by me so I can feel better about yeah. <laughs> my initiated yeah. powers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, the parallels. I mean, because in Golden Dawn, of course, you do get tied up. And yeah. you get a bag True, put over your head. Linked. And, and yeah. you're being led and you don't know what's going on. And there's someone the shouting at you. Saying fear is fear, failure, it is and it's a total mind fuck <laughs> because someone just scared the shit out of you. Oh it's the first thing you've seen, oh, yeah. and uh, and and the words that he said were fear of fear is failure. Yeah. So you're like, what, what, well, I did, huh? <laughs> but then the cool thing is, like four years later, when you've dialed six digits of that girl's phone number and you're about to hang up, and you think, no, fear is failure, and you dial the seventh digit, and yeah. you get yourself into trouble. Sure. <laughs> you <true>. know? <laughs> per adventure there, shall I find yeah. the light, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's it. You know, that's what, what I'm trying to develop. I'm really trying to take It's happening. I've, I've heard enough buzz to realize that people's uh, perceptions of the BDSM phenomenon and community are gradually shifting. I mean, like, back in the 70s, even, you know, homosexuality was thought of as, oh, yeah, those, those deviants, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and, at the, and, you know, and BDSM, you know, kind of stayed in that, you know, place of deviancy while homosexuality started to become more normal sure. and, and accepted as part of society. And now it's finally time, okay, now that gay marriage is legal across the, the 50 states, let's look at some of these other things. There's no, these I... couples over here or that have a third person or a fourth person. Gender shifts. Yeah, right, yeah. There's know. there's people shifting Intersex from one gender to the other. Sure, What's up beautiful. with BDSM? And then they realize, well, I guess everybody goes to work and... Uh, you know, gets humiliated by their boss and they have to just swallow it. So maybe it's maybe it's um, cathartic to go somewhere where you can have an organized way to let all that steam out, to be sure. in the role of the one humiliating the other one or to be in the role of submissive. Exactly. You know, and it, it, it really is all about that for me. And I'm really trying to develop almost a spirituality around it somehow. Uh, and I don't know where to go with it next. I mean, I've got, I've got l enough background in all aspects, I think, of occultism. It seems um, like, but... there, I mean, there seems to be like a natural attraction between the, I, the various kinds of Satanists, people who, who mm -hmm. self-identify as Satanists, sure. uh, and BDSM, I've noticed. I mean, mm -hmm. just from, I, I end up with, I can see who our friends are in common, and you know, and and, uh, and it's like, uh, friends suggest, friends in common, Sal, oh, of course. So, you know, a lot, a lot of them have some very satanic imagery in their jewelry and in their tattoos mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, it's interesting that the spirituality is already present. I was just talking to Janie about that this morning on the way to work, because we were listening to this heavy metal song, and you know, this like death metal kind of, and I was thinking about how, that basically, I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but it, to me, it seems to me that there were some Christian parents that said, beware of the devil and oh, hell. Of and uh, what's hell like, mommy? Well, they, they play horribly loud music and it's clang, clang, and they talk like, oh, thanks, mommy. I'm yeah. going to go down to the basement for a while. Yeah. And that's how heavy metal was born. And so 
you have all, you know, Baphomet, as we know, and as anybody who's looked tree into of life. it knows, yeah, it has <laughs> all the elements in the tree of life, sure. all, all the element in the mystic symbol of Yeshua in yeah. the, in the uh, rose cross yep. lamen are present in Baphomet. Yep. And it also includes the darkness. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's a little Clarity. controversial in that sense where some people, you know, who are Christian will say, well, it, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Yeah, you yeah. know, they'll quote that scripture. Yeah. But if you, then you quote some Old Testament at them and they're like, well, we, we take, we prefer the New Testament, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we prefer this one. What and about Job, you know? Like, I believe that, that that's a super important thing to, I really would like to develop more work on is, is, is. Baphomet. I mean, mm. Baphomet is beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love to meet when I explain it to people how we, how you know Baphomet sitting in Malkuth, you know, and the the crown is Kether and the macrocosm, the microcosm opposing, and you know, a lot of people don't see that they reconciling just see, all dualities in one yeah. symbol. Yeah, the Caduceus one, Mercury, everything's there. Yeah, you know, the whole tree is there, and I I was teaching that in a little. Um, I, I did a. A ceremonial magic like 101 class mm -hmm. um, for like a year and a half that actually did pretty good and it was outside of SM, but a lot of the SM community people that I knew came in nice. um, but it was really great stuff and I, I worked a lot off of Craig's book because I, I loved him you know and lo losing Michael Craig was hard oh yeah he, got to be, he was a good friend yeah. I still talk to Holly though oh cool Holly's pretty cool oh know? nice yeah she was really developing getting into the, that world into the BDSM world so yeah. we would talk about that and, um, I really thought his that was an interesting um, I mean it, maybe what, they weren't his maybe he was borrowing the ideas from someone else but there were a few points that he made in modern sex magic that just kind of blew my mind about the symbolism of the Ark of the Covenant and, yeah uh, and it's you know it's I think it's the Puritans that made sex dirty you know maybe not only the Puritans, but that kind of ilk, yeah. you know, the, the, the people that say, you know, separate the spirituality, you know, and then anything else is porn over here. Where if you go to certain places in India, you have palaces that are made of statues of people in every different possible position. And if kids grow up seeing that, then when they're 12 years old and they're being naughty with their friend, they're going to be like, all right, should we do number 57 or number 18? You know, like, <laughs> as, opposed awesome. to, as opposed to being like, do I put it in? Oh, God, now you're pregnant. Yeah. You know, well, or, I'm just use my shoulders. Uh, yeah, or, uh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all sexual. When you look at the tree of life, Keter, Malkut, it's sexual. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the uh, two pillars, it's sexual. The it's middle pillar. It's, it's, all, it's all sexual. Ugh, but, yeah. but, but that, I mean, you know, when you... The lovers. You, you kind of grow up with the old ladies saying, now, now, you know, elevate your mind out of the gutter. Let's yeah. talk about spiritual things and yeah. stuff. So, so, I mean, but they, it ends up like, because they expect it to be dirty and obscene, then it relegates the talk of genitals to telling dirty jokes over a beer with your buddies. Yeah. And so it's a self-fulfilling thing where sure. the things that are supposed to be profane end up seeming very profane. And the things that are supposed to be sacred are very sacred or, you know, like cleaned on the surface, but dirty mm -hmm. underneath, you know. So I have some questions for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me, what, what are your thoughts on... Um... Is it the Temple of Satan, the new, the new group? That's I don't out? really keep up a, a lot with it. it? I, I, I just have a peripheral a news feed understanding, you know, just kind of like mm -hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm. During Pennsylvania, I, I, <laughs> I, 
I oh I don't I didn't even oh oh right they you know put up I mean? the uh, yeah. the statue and all statue. that I like them just based on my peripheral just you know what I know of them is that they mm -hmm. got Baphomet put up as yeah. I mean because if you're gonna have the three if you're gonna have the Ten Commandments yeah. then we can have Baphomet right yeah of course. you know otherwise you're a hypocrite and so people are freaked out about that and that's fun yeah. it's always fun <laughs> freaking yeah. out uptight Christians Michigan and, um, uh, and and then the other thing they did was the uh, they had women that were pouring milk on themselves yeah. and and in in order to protest what were they protesting like, <laughs> like poor practices in in dairy in the dairy community well, it had that and then they also did something around that same time with what, this one girl was like going in covertly into um Family planning places. Oh right! And now they're oh, talking yeah. about That's forcing right. them. To, That's right. They were defending you know, Planned wants... Parenthood. Yeah. So like they were anti-protesting yeah. against the, abor yeah. the yeah. abortionists. So yeah, no, I, I I um I appreciate what they're doing. I I don't know if they're doing anything ritually or, yeah. or anything. You know, well, in my uh, years... so I don't. I have nothing to critique or yeah. or comment on. In my years uh, um, with with the satanic background, I have I have a pretty large background. In now, it. is that Levey or is that his daughter or? It's n none of them. Okay, they're not connected at all. Lucius so Gray I know there's the there's like atheistic it. Satanism and then there's religious Satanism. Yeah, and the way well the way I've always understood it and like like when I met Doctor Levey years ago before mm -hmm. he died. And um, first thing he told me was, never be a cynic and don't join the church. That's what he told me, of Satan. Right. He's like, don't be a parrot. That's one of the first things he said to me. He was a carny. He was funny. He was a funny bastard, you know. Um, it was a really cool experience getting to know him. But the Church of Satan, COS, they don't anthropomorphize it. It's basically nihilism, right. I would say. It's nihilistic in theory. And that's another thing is a lot of people are like, well, since you know you know so much about this, what are, what are their masses like? They, they really don't do a lot of. They they have Walshberg Nacht, which is around winter solstice. Mm. You know, sits in that time, um, but they don't really do your own birthday as you're supposed to. Yeah, be. that's the highest that's the big day. Holiday. The big it's holiday. The opposite is you. of Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, celebrate. <laughs> no repress. Yes. But yeah, so that's Levain's work. I, I don't know the tenets of the um, Temple of Satan or not. But then, then there's the Temple of Set. Temple of Set is the is Michael Aquino and okay. Lilith, and they're they're set in, but I, they're coming at it from the Egyptian aspect, but looking at Set as as the good guy. Yeah, yeah. Like like during the period when Set was the the, yeah. the god that everybody was bad. putting on their sarcophagus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So that's cool, you know. So, but you were talking about a different form, the one that you had experience with? Well, the, I, I had experience with Levain's work. Oh, okay. Work, but I'm trying to really understand what, they, what they're doing, you know, spiritually, if it's spiritual. Like, a lot of people that I've met that are quote-unquote Satanists, that they're not doing a mass every, every week. They're not right. setting up temple and ritual every week. And right. I'm wondering if, if the Temple of Satan is doing that, like if they have actual... Because I love, I'm a religionist. I love studying right. all that stuff, you know. Well, I think um, that whether they're atheistic or not, the uh, the it, invoking the word uh, Shatem or Satan, sh yeah. it, it's the accuser. When you look at Job, yeah. it's the one that says, you know, these people aren't hot shit. You think they're hot shit. They're not hot shit. Well, I bet if you took away his, uh, you know, this, he'd, he'd curse you, God. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's what you're invoking. And it's the accuser. It's the uh, prosecuting attorney. So so, sure. so people are adopting as their self-identified religion the, the role of prosecuting attorney 
in the Judeo-Christian system, sure. basically, yeah, as their, as their yeah. patron saint, as yeah. their the un, the unpopular archangel, who not mm-hmm. only did he fall, but he was the first to fall and caused uh-huh. everyone else to like, fall. And which is but, kind of funny now, because like, you look at Fox and they've got Lucifer, the TV show. I've been watching right. it. Yeah, and it's just it's tongue in cheek, but it it it's amazing how he like. He supposedly he's left hell and he walks earth, hmm. and uh, you know he's like I'm not a bad guy. I'm just doing my job, you know. And it's kind of comical. When yeah, you watch yeah. It. It's it's worth watching a couple times. The actor's actually funny in it. But um, so what about you? I mean, now this is stepping back since mm-hmm. we're on this podcast. Let us know. We we do know each other. Yeah. Well, just I mean the stuff yeah. you and I both know that the audience might not know. Yeah. You knew my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, we were buddies together back in the day. Yeah, uh, you were eighteen. I was sixteen. Um, sixteen, and we yeah. were we were working at Renfair. We were Zelators together. Yes, we were. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. good times. And you were the priest in my illegal wedding done uh-huh. without the consent of the parents of the minor who <laughs> was. <laughs> Here in this room. Oh my God! And, you're right. Uh, that was so <laughs> long was ago. So illegal. Oh and um, <laughs> no, then later my mom got on the phone with her and said, "And if you if you break your oath, I will run you through with that sword." And so she like <laughs> nah, broke the law again. You know, I'm like threatening to kill That's a right. minor. You know, <laughs> mom. mom. She, uh, she had five warrants out for her arrest. It turned out when it, when she died, or a few years really? after she died, she had like just some leftover tickets she hadn't. Oh. And the cops were very upset about pulling me over one time. Until I told him, uh, you know, you should make a note that she's dead, you know, because it wow. sort of freaked me out when you had the gun out, you know. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he was like, put your hands where I can see him, you know, and, and everything. Well, he had his hand, like, you know, yeah, hovering by his gun. He's like, who, you know, because he, I was, I had this, I lived in the same house, and it's some, uh, you know, uh, fight club, <laughs> like like where where the guys are squatting in fight club, and, sure. and uh, you know, I live in the same house as this woman who has five warrants, and so he's like, okay, take him down. Oh shit, she was amazing. Your mom was yeah. amazing. We had great times, and you guys, I, I had my first legal marriage in yep. our backyard. That's true, and I I was the priest of the South. You sure were. And my my uh, fasted wife yeah. at the time was was the priestess of the mm-hmm. song. That's so crazy. And Merlin came in in, in HP. Oh, that. Merlin. Merlin from Redfair. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that was um, celestial. Yeah, so those celestial were, coven. That's so right. these were the people that were doing all the magic at the Renaissance Fair at the time. Yes. Southern Fair. Were they yeah. doing Northern Fair? Yeah. Oh wow, they were doing all fair. Yeah. And uh, so my mom and I were in the the little inner circle of the people doing that, and it really yeah. impressed the lady that I was working for because she was always very condescending to me because I was the new kid, the dumb yeah. kid. I was this this the kid, the kid and she would her. say, "I have these rocks, you know, and and do you feel their energy?" Oh well, one day you'll be able to feel their energy, you know. And then, <laughs> then she comes to know? the ritual, yeah. and I'm conducting the ritual. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and she's like, awesome. "I'm so proud of you." And then, then I, they were much nicer to me after that. That's so, so funny. <laughs> story of my life. What happened to your friend? <laughs> Which one? I always forget his name. He became a mason. Um, oh, you're thinking of Chris O'Malley. Is that? He, yeah, he became Demolay, but he left after like a minute. He became a Demolay. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Because right. the, is the, he still around? Yeah, he's around. He's a he's he teaches high school in Glendale. Wow, I know, right? Yeah, he's he's uh, been on a couple of podcasts, and not on this podcast, but on the Edward Reed podcast. Well, I know you guys also had a little band there for a while. Yeah, Fall from Eden. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. That's crazy. Good times. Look, it's this is the first time I've been here since ninety. What, 96? Wow. Yeah, so you were living here. Yes. Uh, you moved in. 
you were thrown out of the order that we were all in, and we harbored uh, you. Probably got thrown out, too. And and we we got thrown out, too. The person who I never name on this podcast called us up and threw us out, and we were crying on the phone saying, please don't throw us out. Is it that name? And uh, he said, uh, we're going to consult the third order again, and then he called us back and said, okay, you guys can stay in. But the initial thing was, sometimes to cut a cancer out of the body, a few healthy cells have to go down with it. That was so. That was why we were getting thrown out for letting you live here, but um, really, yeah. But we stood our ground, and then they backed down and let us stay. And they because kept of me, giving us shit I was about like it. The bad guy, continually giving us shit about it. Yeah, so crazy. And he remember he he told me I could stay if I cut my hair, uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't know about this, you know that guy. Yeah, that that he who shall not be named. Totally. We do call him Voldemort sometimes. Voldemort. Everyone. Wow. Everyone left finally in the end. So. And so, where are you with all that now? Do you teach? I formally left, uh, very formally, in ritual. Um, then someone requested that I have a class, and so I had a class, and then I got a message from ISIS that said. If you're going to teach classes uh, and still call yourself a sanctuary of the order, then here are the rules. We've we've all gotten together and decided there's rules now, and you can't have drugs and you can't teach Buddhism. You know, or like you you have to just teach Golden Dawn. So I wrote a formal letter saying, I and my sanctuary are no longer affiliated with the Temple of Isis of the Order of the Golden Dawn Universum. Wasn't Hermes Hathor around here? Yeah, that was in Burbank. Yeah, it was Burbank. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was uh, another person who I preserve his identity. He came on as the priest, but we're still not mentioning that he, you mm-hmm. know, anything specific about his past, you know, on account of his bishop might hear. And, oh, uh, right, right, some, right. Oh, right, might yeah. have some splaining to do. Splaining. Yeah. I've been hanging, I was hanging out with, uh, with uh, the uh, Blue Sapphire Lodge. Oh, OTO. cool, cool. I was kicking it with Susan and some of them. I was going to some some outer stuff. You know, I still I still go out and do that stuff. I went and I... I study, you know, I love studying different aspects because I did my year and a day with two groups down in Orange County before I met you. Mm. That would have been like 88 to 92. That was Dredd Craft of the Wise Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Me too, me too. Right on. I I got up to the point where I graduated advanced, my mom and I both, and they said... Because Rainey had overheard Rainey. from, from wow. Lisa, who had blabbed that we were in the order, um, and so she went back and told Sterling, and Sterling gave us an ultimatum and said, "We're not going to initiate you unless you quit the Golden Dawn." So we uh, said, wow. "Okay, well, bye. That's lame." That we we, we would have kept going. We would have been priest and priestess, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a Wiccan, you know. But Rainey, I love her though. She, the Dragon Lady. I wonder <laughs> if she's still around. She died. Oh. Uh, so did Judith Dufresne. She was she was a bitch to me. I I don't Judith Judith Steph. Yeah, yeah. She was a real bitch to me. Yeah, she was kind of mean to me too. And I I used to actually intern there. Hmm. She was mean back then. I ran into. She loved my mom though. (laughs) She was teaching her to invoke Lilith, and she she gave us the black magic we used to kill uh, this guy Ross Tyree. He was stalking my mom for 10 years, and then we started burning his photographs really slowly, calling on the Dark Mother, doing uh-huh. this little rhyme, and then he got this skin disease where his skin was peeling off like an old photograph that was being burned. Wow. And uh, then That'd he died. Yeah. And then, then, then we took our oath never to do black magic again, so. <laughs> we got that one out of the way. Yeah, yeah we, let's do that, and then our neophyte. Did yeah. you happen to see um, Witch? No. I went and saw it. Oh, is it recent? Yeah, it's, it's a new movie that's out oh. by this this uh, um, this, I, I guess the company is called Studio Twenty Four. They're a new they're a new independent film company. It, it went through the film festivals and did hmm. really well. 
and it it is the um it, it it's the time frame is pre Massachusetts New England when they're coming over in the Puritan movement before America, and this family gets cast out of this this small little village that they lived in, and they go off on their own. So, and basically they come in contact with a real witch, mm. and it's not about the witch craze. It would be as if witches did exist, and they actually go and they they float and they're they, they're coating their brooms, their hmm. besoms, and and using menstrual blood. And oh it's my a, gosh! It, it visually, you should go see it. And there's <laughs> um, there's a oh, Black Philip. Hmm. Black Philip is is the goat. And oh. He, the little kids go. They speak to him. And they go. And they talk to the goat. Wow. And he's just gorgeous and beautiful. I I saw a picture, uh, and, and I'm sure people can Google this. Is the first woman with face tattoos in in America? First white woman. Um, she was like ki- kidnapped, or, or you know, her parents were killed, and then she was raised by Mohawk Indians, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then she got rescued, you know, or whatever, um, and then brought back to Salem. And she, I think it was Salem, I could be wrong, but she had these great face tattoos, and she did some like herbal stuff that the the Native Americans taught her. So she was kind of like one of the really yeah. interesting characters that people were talking about being a witch. And, and uh, wow, yeah, first face tattoos on that on an That's American crazy. Citizen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So you traveling a lot? Not a lot, but I'd like to travel more. I mean, you know, from here on out. We went to Japan for three weeks, and that was fantastic. Wow. And uh, I love that. And right now, Janie's in school, but when she's done, we're going to celebrate by going to New York for at least a long weekend or something. Really? Go I'm see, uh... getting married. Well, I'm not married yet. I'm officially engaged. Um, Congratulations. An amazing, amazing woman. Um, her, her parents are from Crete. We're, we're going to, I'm going out of the country for the first time in my life. Going to, we're going to Crete. I'm going to go to the oh, cave cool. where Zeus was born. Oh, great. Yeah, she's, that's her hometown. Or village is right below the cave. Nice. So, yeah, I'm getting to see it. I'm getting to see it out of the country, finally in my 50s. Very so, cool. Congratulations. Well, thank you for talking to me. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I hope, I'd like to come back and talk to you more about the sure. SM stuff. It's super important to me to, to start get, getting that out there. And I yeah. really do want to develop. Yeah, more around it. Well, and I, I like to, you know, kind of plant seeds of ideas among the, the listeners of this podcast because these are people coming from a variety of backgrounds, uh, tarot or uh, you know, witchcraft, Wicca or Golden mm-hmm. Dawn or even voodoo. And there's, sure. there's some... I um, love voodoo. I some, love some great yeah. Haitian and Sensory. Both of them. I love them both. Yeah. You know, um, I've got a, a an ex, ex-protege of mine who is really, really well known in the BDSM community named Mistress Melissa, and she dedicated her life to Santeria. And um, she's, she goes back and forth to Cuba, like, constantly. And she's got a whole family there, and she lives her life. Like, for, I think it was, I forget the amount of years, but she wore nothing but white, shaved her head, or the top of her head was painted white at all times. Mm. She can only wear certain colors to this day. Her children, now she has two children, that were both born into the tradition. Mm. And it's amazing that her children are wicked intelligent. Before her, her oldest daughter, who is now, I think, six or seven, um, when she, the first, like, six months of her life, she was signing. And, and, and she's just a really intelligent little girl wow. and understands all, all the, all the, the Orisha 
and the movement and she goes to rituals and she was raised in it so she nice. really it's a beautiful thing she's someone else to really if you ever want to talk to somebody yeah totally and oh that'd she, be interesting 24 hours a day I mean that's her life for now it's, I think it's going on 11 or 12 years I mean she's amazing one other thing I wanted to mention um, uh, the David Bowie connection oh yeah let's talk about Bowie a little bit yeah I um Lon I interviewed Lon Milo Duquette and I I asked him because there were rumors going around that you know people were saying people in the OTO were saying that David Bowie was OTO and I was thinking no he's not and so I asked Lon Milo Duquette because if he was he would know and he said well I never met him you know and I was yeah. like okay and he was so but separately from that he had he had mentioned that he felt that Mark Twain is a god. He's, you know, just, he's perfect. Mm -hmm. So he went through and he, he got all these great Mark Twain quotes and made this Oracle card system out of it. And cool. it works. Lon did? Lon Milo Duquette yeah, did that okay. with Mark Twain. Yeah. And then shortly after that was when you asked me to comment on the article that was talking about David Bowie's occult background. Oh, yes. sorry. Okay. And then, so I wrote that sort of eulogy that a lot yeah. of people liked it res apparently it, it resonated amazing with a lot of people. yeah so that's all really good stuff now, uh, in the wake of that is i did the oracle cards so those those two elements came together and resulted in the david bowie oracle cards and he, his work i mean you can see it, especially in the early early albums yeah like what like i was really obsessed with the whole station to station oh yeah you know and how he wore that and coming came coming out of the vanity in Lazarus, yeah, exact same outfit. And station to station, a lot of people didn't get it, but he's that's that's all about traveling up the tree. Yeah, that's and totally yeah, nice. and the wardrobe, the yeah. C.S. Lewis. Yeah, 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 you know. So there's a, there's so so many great great things about like uh, especially like for me right now. I think I have a new David Bowie album that's always a favorite that comes up. And right now I'm I'm stuck in the man who sold the world. Oh, nice. You know, and the song Quicksand. Hmm. is just just so beautiful um you know he quotes a lot of crowley in that you know and and it's he just has some amazing things i've read a lot of his earlier stuff in his early years where he was really going for it like during the man who sold the world phase he was really on a crowley buzz though hmm. big time like there's pictures of him in full nemesis and, yeah and golden dawn regalia yeah, and yeah. i'm just nailing it that was know? that was what inspired us to take that photo shoot with janie with the pillars and all the cool stuff really? and, and she because she had her hair half purple and half black oh. so it was like very i was like okay we got to do your bowie shoot you know so that's that. cool yeah yeah you know but, but he i think he he was He's so important to, to so many people, yeah. and it's so much more than just a musician, you know. Yeah, he a was, true artist. Yeah, yeah, that was his means. He 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 worked through music, and imagery. I mean, he you know through. Oh my god! Working yeah. with uh, so many levels. Jim Henson. Oh my god! Uh -huh. I love I love oh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Oh, oh yeah. We just we just watched it. Again. The Hunger. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! Wow. The Hunger yeah. was beautiful. You know. Yeah. Um, the Man Who Fell to Earth. Mm. I you know I have to see that one. I haven't it's seen amazing. that. Amazing. He's yeah, pretty cool in Zoolander. So Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Um, Twin Peaks. Not to mention his videos. Yeah. Oh, Twin Peaks. That's yeah, right. Firewalk with yeah. me. He was great. Yeah. Classic. So, but we always pops up, you know. Yeah. Oh. He is the man that everybody wants. Around. Everybody had that reaction that, you know, he's immortal. How could he be dead? Exactly. And that's He's, he's always been a part of our lives. He's always been there. He's part of the universe. How could he go he away? He is. He's the macrocosm. And I love that, that, that they, those astronomers named uh, created that constellation. That's amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is, that is really amazing. He deserves that. Yeah. Because he is so, he is, 
I mean, and and I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's just a boyfriend saying that. No, he was. He's transcendental. Yeah, completely transcendental. I mean, he did so much and touched in so many ways. That I love that picture. There's a picture of the Pope touching a picture. Yeah, I love that. Aladdin saying yeah, yeah. he's like crying. Yeah, I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. He's Bowie. Francis is fucking cool. <laughs> I have to say. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, nice I, to have I'm a Pope. Thinking, you can say is fucking yeah, cool he's for a, cool a change. Dude. Yeah. 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 Going on. yeah, JP2 was almost cool. He was like, yeah. wow, everything's cool about this guy except when he starts talking about homosexuality and abortion. You know, it's then so it's like, oh, shit. Like and it. then he was like b- buddies with Reagan, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, he was almost as cool as... I voted Francis. for Reagan. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Back like in the day. My, so did my mom. <laughs> I liked yeah, his yeah. hair. Well, you see, you know, people liked the actor. He had you good know. hair. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know the politics, uh, yeah. his, his, the history of his labor. Yeah, well, yeah, no, exactly. he he was pro-labor. He was, you know, president of the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. Then on his first day as president, he's like, fire all the yeah. all the air traffic controllers. And, they, and then so Screen Actors Guild was like handing him the Lifetime Achievement Award. And then they withdrew it as soon as Ooh, he did that. Back. Like, Apparently, we've drew, grown apart <laughs> since. There's something I was just going to actually, actually bring up with you. That was super important. Oh, we did a ritual once. I wanted to mention, because I thought it was funny and ironic that I went on to become a Golden Dawn adept and you went on to do satanic stuff. Yeah. When, and... when, when we fast forward back to when I was 15 and I was I was trying to do some kind of black magic uh, to, to attack the parents of my girlfriend uh, remember... who had locked her up and, yeah. and, and taken my journal and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And you were saying, maybe we should invoke the god and goddess and ask them to guide this and make sure that no, um, you know, and I'm like, don't be a pussy. So. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. We're doing black magic here. Yeah. You know, like this and isn't, you know. Color phases magic. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, don't be a pussy. I well, it just goes to show, I mean, there's that oh, early, yeah. there's early Christian uh, spell work where it's like, uh, Virgin Mary, make my enemy sterile, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have Christians doing black magic on one hand and you have Satanists doing white magic on the other hand mm-hmm. it's all just you know it, it, you can't you can't predict anything anymore yeah. you you know you find saints walking among sinners and sinners among saints every day you know go out and put like a nail in somebody's tree let him and um, did you ever see that one that they, when no. they do that? They would they would they would take a rusty nail and they would oh. drive it into a tree and plight them. But actually, the rust oh. was just killing the tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's still a drag. Cause yeah. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. If they if you're eating the fruit from that tree, especially in the old days, mm-hmm. now you go to the grocery store. But you know. <laughs> that's true. Uh, there was something I wanted to bring up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Yeah. I want to know. I have I have a question for you because. Coming here today, we're we're doing this for my my dear friend's eulogy, right? And his memorial. Did you want to mention? I didn't know. I will bring that up yeah. towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I would like to bring up from you, and it's amazing because I get to speak with Edward. I can say your name here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Edward was very much. I mean, there's a lot of years in between when we've hung out, but he's been he was like a younger brother to me for years. I remember, and I might be wrong on this, but uh, I remember. You might think you didn't say that. I didn't say that, and I'm not trying to call you out. But you were young. You you were running up the stairs in the house, and you were really excited. And uh, you said, "Oh my God, I got tickets to go see Ninety Snails in concert." And oh my I said, God. "Really?" And yeah, and I'm like, "Who else?" And he, you said, "Bowie or somebody's opening up for him." And I freaked out on you. <laughs> I was like, "What?" I was like, "What did you say?" <laughs> 
I no, like... it was Bowie was afterward. He was opening up for Bowie. Yeah, was it? And the sad thing was, half the audience left when uh, when Trent Reznor finished. That's so sad. I know, it was fucked. Afraid but... Americans. Yeah. But what I want to talk to you about, Edward, the thing about Edward, and I, I've, I've been, I have to say this, you know, there's a brief time in our lives when we were very, very, very tight. And I always wanted to keep that kindred. You know, that's super important to me. I'm very important. The people in my life stay in my life. Uh, like who my friend who just passed. And your mother was a huge part of my life. And she was, she was, she is part of my soul, you know. And losing her was very hard for me. And being with you during that time, watching you grow. And you have, you have, you're an amazing man. Thank you. And you're, I mean, I left when you were young, you know, and now you're at the age you're at now and you, you've done the things you do and you say, like, I, I, whenever I need some kind of understanding or some kind of way to connect, I know that if I get on Facebook and I write to you, you have an answer. Thank you. You, you've become an amazing man. And it, it's amazing to see be sitting here all these years later. Um, so with that, and I'm tearing up and being <laughs> um, I don't. What I don't know anything. I, I know things about. You know, I'm very versed in voodoo, mm-hmm. Wicca, neo paganism, Satanism, OTO, Golden Dawn, and some of the offshoots in between. But I know nothing about Buddhism, mm. and it always seems to me like. Something brings me that direction, and then I purposely will take a left and get yeah, out of the yeah. way of it. But it keeps coming up. And I remember reading Confessions by Crowley years ago, and um, it was talking about Alex Bennett, who I guess was his mentor. Alan Bennett? Or, was it Alan Bennett? Yeah, yeah. Alan, Alan Bennett. He got into Eastern. Stuff. Yeah, and he went Eastern, and yeah. then Crowley went He's Eastern. He's the guy who the wrote end. The Invocation of Thought. Right. So what – can you – well, I can I can tell you the most basic thing about Buddhism, which is that once upon a time there was a an, an Indian Hindu Indian prince who had everything and was rich, and his father wanted him to never suffer. He his mother died when he was a baby, and his mo- his father went so far as to withhold from him knowledge that he has a mother. And when he was nineteen years old, I believe it was. Um, now, I, there, I might be getting some of the details wrong, but he, um, he, he saw a poor man for the first time and he was like, what's that? What on earth is that? It's like a human, but he's all shriveled up and, you know, I've never seen an old person. I've never seen a poor person. I've never seen a dying person. What's death? And, uh, cause his dad wanted him to just have this like, no, everything's fine. There's no suffering, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and he was king and he was a wealthy king. So he was able to create this illusion, sort of like the Truman show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so once he, he, once he saw suffering, he couldn't get it out of his head. Mm -hmm. So he, he made it his lifelong goal to alleviate suffering, to rid the world of suffering, to free himself and everyone else from suffering, to find the way to be free of suffering. So he sat under the Bodhi tree, which is a kind of tree. um, And, uh, and eventually, you know, there's the eight noble truths and the fourfold path and all this stuff. But the basic gist of it was he realized that it's the desire it's the clinging itself that results in the suffering that now gordon my my teacher one of my teachers of you know gordon 
uh, one of my teachers of Buddhism, he added to that, and he even said that the Buddha said this, but all I, all I know is Gordon said this, is that if you want to keep the desire, you have to embrace the suffering, which is kind of more along mm-hmm. the lines of BDSM. Um, <laughs> yeah, very much that, so. yeah, yeah, well, if you want to have desire, then accept the pain. You know, yeah. you want a rose? Here's the thorns, yeah. you know, and... Um, and so, so that was what he, you know, if you basically, so if you want to not suffer, then stop clinging. And there's like various levels where you can look at that. Now there's an ancient yoga uh, principle called a him, not a himsa. It's a parigraha, which means non-coveting, non-greed, but it also means non-clinging, non-desiring. And it's one of the principles of yoga. So that kind of, there's an overlap between Buddhism and yoga right there. I mean, there's a lot of overlap, but anyway, um, so that's the basic, that's the most basic gist of it, okay. is, um, is an understanding that I, that I suffer because I desire. And that if, if I walk into it with expectations, then, and, and it doesn't turn out the way I expect, and then I get mad, that's my own fault for coming into it with expectations. And the reason I'm, I'm angry now is because of my own, expe- I brought, because of what I brought to the table, not because of the, the table. And, um, and, and so it, that what happened was, so there's this Indian prince and he has these students and then there's the King Malhotra who comes along later and he loves this idea, this new thing going on in India and he spreads it and he makes it the law of the land for a while or the religion of of his people. And then eventually people start to migrate eastward and bring it into Tibet. Now, by the time it gets to Tibet, it's so sophisticated and developed that they're like retroactively saying, yeah, well, then he went back under the tree, and then he came up with all of these mandalas and all yeah. of these different things and all this teaching, the 28,000 subtle threads of this and of the Tantra and, uh, and, and all of this, you know, um, uh, Vajrayana Buddhism, tantra, Tantric Buddhism. And so by the time um, Padmasambhava came to Tibet bringing Buddhism, um, now they had uh, some elements of Mahayana Buddhism already, but he brought in this really empowered, like, third eye. You got the, the, the Dorja symbol in there like the lightning bolt mm-hmm. symbol and and third eye wide open and he's got this big grin on his face and he's the second buddha and he's got all these jewels on him and stuff like that yeah. so that's buddhism by the time it got to tibet um and so and so then then meanwhile there's like the earlier form of buddhism which has already gotten into china and so there's like a couple different there's like then yeah, I mean, so you start to differentiate after a while. Like once you like look into Christianity long enough, you go, well, are we talking Orthodox Christianity or yeah. Catholic Christianity like, or Buritanism or, or, like or Quakerism? Or, yeah. 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 Sure. So so there's a lot of different forms of Buddhism. So I, on the Buddhist path, for a person who, you know, is coming from the outside, you know, first is a matter of study, and uh, and and seeing what resonates. Because sometimes you have someone over here saying that this guy's full of shit, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, you're both Buddhist masters. Who am I supposed to listen to? Now, Dogen is the most prime example of that, and I think that's actually why he's unpopular in Japan. Um, now I'm talking about Zen. Z- Z- okay. uh, Zen Buddhism is very popular here because the aesthetic is popular, I think. The Zen Garden is popular, mm-hmm. and it, it became popular in the West. Now, if you go to Japan, they're like, yeah, we've got Shinto Buddhism, you know, we've got Sho- uh, I, I am. Uh, Messing with the word, uh, the, the the Buddhism, the Shingon, the okay. esoteric Buddhism, the same the same as the Tibetan Buddhism that that made it all the way to Japan. Over here, we've got you know the the Pureland Buddhism over here. We've got this this Buddhism over here and that Buddhism over there. And uh, then people are like, "Well, where's your Zen Buddhism?" And they're like, oh, "What the fucking Zen Buddhism? It's over there." Whatever. So what about like now they have all these denominations. Now where does like 
the Soka Gakkai and oh. Naishin Shoshu come in through all this with the Lotus Sutra. That's pretty early on. Yeah, that's th- those those sutras are universally accepted by. Oh, you're talking about the Japanese movement, the Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. Now, my 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 limited understanding of that was that it's is a guy. It was kind of heretical at the time because he said that anyone who seeks to live their Buddha nature is a bodhisattva, as opposed to you know someone that has to be appointed by some organization. And uh, and so it was and it it was designed to free to free it from the politics of running a temple by having it in people's houses and stuff like that. So that's what I know about that. And I think that that's a, a positive thing. Um, because from what I've heard, you know, because the Tao Te Ching is a book that's worth checking out, but it'll say stuff like, he who speaks does not know. He who knows does not speak. And they, someone, they someone, Yoda stuff. yeah, like a Westerner will throw it across the room and say, fuck this and like get, yeah. get the tarot deck back out. You know, my, like my dad would say something with some teeth, yeah, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, so the Tao, it's like nice to read, but if you're talking about a, and then you go to a Tao temple, a Tao Buddhist temple and you're like, this seems nice, but then you like talk to the people running it, and there's some like ego shit going on too. You know, just like you'd find in a, in any other kind of organization. So, it's um, so it's good when they're freeing it from the 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 shackles of an organization. Now, a couple other points that just real quick that I want to make. Um, the pre uh, tantric Buddhism, the you know where it was just the eight noble truths about how to not suffer and doing good and karma you know there's a few things i don't i i should have them memorized but i don't i just can't rattle them off okay. but but that got into china and they already had taoism and taoism was the if you do nothing everything takes care of itself and so so mahayana buddhism and taoism kind of merged together and became what they call chan which is actually the chinese word for meditation or dhyana and that is what dogen brought back with him and called it zen so so that's the connection there. But they kind of in a retroactive fantasy. I mean, it's kind of rude to say it's a retroactive fantasy, but they said people are like, "Well, you know, when they were it was getting popular and the emperor was like, "Uh, we don't like this. It's new. I forbid this." And then 20 years later it's incredibly popular because they forbade it. And then, "Okay, I don't forbid it anymore." Like and yeah, yeah. And then uh, everybody should send their kids there and then they so then they have all these kids to take care of. So then they start hitting them with rulers and making them sit all day and that's where Zen started started to turn into what we <laughs> think of now when we think of a Zen monastery because <laughs> they were just everybody's babysitter and it was a lot of spoiled rich boys. But anyway, um what was I talking about? Shit. Oh, yeah, they were like, okay, so where does your particular form of Buddhism come from, and why is it better than the other forms of Buddhism? You know, because everybody has a lineage, everybody has a story, a backstory, it goes all the way back to Buddha. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, ours came from Bodhidharma. Oh, who's Bodhidharma? Oh, he was a very intense man. He came from India, and he came to China a hundred years ago. And and he came before Emperor so-and-so, and he said, uh, and the Emperor said, why have you come before me? And the man said, I don't know. And so the emperor threw him away because what, what use are you? And so he sat and stared at a wall for seven years until his disciple came on and said, I want you to teach me. And he said, fuck off. And he cut off his arm and said, here's my arm. I, I want you to teach me. He says, okay. And wow. so then that's where Zen came from. And then, oh, well, what about him? Where was his teacher? Why does that go back? How come they have the better story than all these other forms of Buddhism? Okay, okay. Well, Bodhidharma's teachers, 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 all the way back was this guy named Mahakasyapa. And he got the real teaching of Buddha not like these other idiots. Oh, well, what was that? And he was like, okay. Well, when Buddha was done doing all his talking or whatever, and everybody's copiously taking notes, 
um, you know, then one day he said, okay, now I'm going to give you the, the actual secret of Buddhism. And all of his disciples gathered around him. And uh, they were all ready, you know. And he smiled, and he picked up a flower. And Mahakasyapa nodded and smiled too, because he got it. <laughs> and everybody else was waiting for him to say something. And that's where Zen Buddhism came from. <laughs> so, so there's a lot to know about Buddhism. And, you know, I mean, I don't know much. I, I, I uh, you know, I, there's a lot I don't know. You know, I mean, I know enough. I've, I've, my dad raised me with certain basic principles. You know, it's like in Christianity, they say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. Or else you go to hell because you want to go to heaven or whatever. Yeah. In Buddhism, it's the same exact thing, except it's because ultimately we are all one and, you know, karma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what you put karma, out there comes back Which to. is the, another little segment I want to talk to you about, yeah. which is leading into that. Yeah. Um, I guess we can go there next. So when people talk to me about karma, this is what I tell them. Okay? People bring it up all the time. First off, they'll, you know, they're... This is coming back from the Wicca phases in the, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. The people come up to me. Well, so ain't you have none do what thou will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically that it's a sevenfold law. Mm-hmm. If you do something good, you know, good things will come to you seven times. If you do something bad, the same in reverse. You right. Back that, you hear that theory. And then you hear... The whole thing, or three or whatever, or the yeah, threefold, yeah. yeah. Well, there's got to be the numbers, the, those key numbers, of course, from threes or sevens or nines. Twenty-one, or, yeah. Twenty-one, yeah. Um, it's for me when when people talk about karma. My and again, I'm not adept in this field at all. Mm-hmm. But I explain this is how I see karma. Karma is not something that you do. Like if oh I help this lady across the street so it's gonna I'm gonna have a I'm gonna be better tomorrow for that reason right karma the way I see karma karma is what you live every day yeah and it's not a conscious movement it's it's if you follow reincarnation you're just you're you're moving through your lives down through the tree mm. and you know people people want to be like it's like they're they're paying the piper to get. A good karmic card. Right. To me, it, it, it isn't something that works like that. Yeah. Karma's not just given out because you do something nice one day. Yeah. And you can suck the others, you know? It's And, and I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Well, there's the word dharma, which has a few different usages, and it's used... Dharma and Greg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a word that's used in... Hinduism, and it's a word that's used in Indian Buddhism, a word that's used a little differently in Chinese Buddhism, and a word that comes up in Japanese Buddhism a little differently. So it's kind of like hard to pin down. Uh, Do is the Japanese word. It means way. Um, So the way, your dharma, what you do. So if you're uh, a monk, then your dharma is sweeping and burning incense and all these things you do, you know. But literally speaking, karma means act. It means deed. Um, So karma fala is means the uh, the deeds result the consequence the uh, so when people say oh well that's your karma that they what they mean is that's your karma fala the karma so was the what karma you did is cause and effect yeah the, well the karma fala is the effect and the, and the the karma is the deed well, itself. that's not saying the cut karma. yeah well, okay yeah so yeah cause. but but some but what you were describing is like 
the thing where it's all one and reincarnation and, and, and we're all dancing together, what uh, Dogen, the guy who brought Zen to Japan, calls... Well, and he's making reference to someone else, and I don't know who it is, but it's a, the flowers in space opening and, and closing or opening and, and, you know, the galaxies and just everything. Mm-hmm. That's the Dharma. It's all just... It, it, and uh, religion is an, is, is, a, is an attempt to... I, I think that yeah, religion tends to turn... Uh, an orange into a clockwork, <laughs> if you will. Sure. Like, uh, like what, what, what already is the seasons gets expressed as the liturgical calendar. You know, it's like mm-hmm. some someone decided to make a build a, a wristwatch and see if they could make it run forever. You know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and that too is part of nature. You know, it's even even man's attempt to blind his fellow man is part of nature, um, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't <Sure>. know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm throwing all these weird questions to you, but these are the oh, yeah, yeah. I need to answer. I love like, David Jay. Uh, he said, uh, uh, Jay, yeah, uh, yeah. You cannot go against nature because when you do go against nature, it's a part of nature. go against nature because when you No, no, tail to tail. That's it, yeah. So, oh, yeah. here's another little question that's off the shot. Off sure. The side. So, you know how in the Golden Dawn, mm-hmm. and, in, and in CM, we've, we, we do what's called the middle pillar ritual, which is the Hebraic God names used in tonality to resonate off certain areas of the body and lining up certain energies to get a cause and effect, to make an effect right. happen. Yeah. Is that the exact, is that the same thing as chakras? No. They're not right. A lot of people have attempted to overlap them, but I think that it might be it might be safe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It might be safe to say that the middle pillar ritual was inspired by chakras. Um, It was, and but it was you know there's throughout history and and I've known a few myself. There's people who who you know want it all to be Western or at least want to be able to sell it to people who insist that it must be Western and so um, so where I came from the, the the guy that I usually don't mention his name um, turned the chakras into the gates of Jerusalem and so there was the golden gate and the Daffer gate yeah, and the, and the really? Daffer gate and the Damascus gate and the and the, so we'd work with them and they everything about them was the same as the chakras but they weren't chakras they were the gates of Jerusalem and we're Jerusalem you know wow. it's like really weird you know but uh, but so there's always been attempts that actually one could make an argument was a better attempt to westernize uh working with the chakras than the middle pillar was yeah. <laughs> but, okay. but i i wouldn't give that i'll probably edit that out because i'm not going to give him that much credit while he's still alive but um <laughs> uh, yeah i've got my own debt i've got my own little settle i want to have with that guy someday yeah wow he did me bad oh he did yeah, said so in the bad, 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 and he made me feel so bad about who I was, and he had no right to do that. No, you know, so I believed in everything we did. A yeah. little overzealous sometimes. Yeah, but it was always in the purest way. But he, you know, he just seemed like anybody that was a threat, he perceived as a threat. He wanted to remove. And, yeah, and I'm like, why else would you want me to cut my hair off? Because it yeah. makes you feel what you know. Well, the amazing thing that I got to witness, and I'm grateful that I got to live in this time period and witness was the the evolution or the development of the internet alongside the temple of isis yeah. starting with aol instant starting with aol you know and uh 
through Alt Magic mm -hmm. and developing into Yahoo news groups, mm -hmm. and then eventually you find out that everybody. You know, anybody who's doing Golden Dawn magic is making a website, and then it's like, oh my god, there's a lot of fucking temples around the country, around the world, you know. And, and you know, the interconnectedness. You can, he, he also was using those classic Fox, Fox News cult tactics of, of creating an enemy. You know, you gotta have, like, uh, uh -huh. you, ha, you, you gotta have everybody on board against the common enemy, and... And that enemy could be ISIS. Yeah, or or yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, nowadays it would be, but yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, now back then it was the OTO. You know, yeah. the OTO was the common enemy, and then people would leave, and it'd be the ex-adepts or his ex-wife or whatever. Or later on, it was uh, David Griffin. You know, the other Golden sure. Dawn order. You know, and and uh, he was Chick for a while. You know, and then he was he ended up getting along with Chick, so he sort of 1984 that out of existence. Like, no, Chick was never our enemy. We hey, never... What do you What do you think would have been like? If, like, Mathers and Crowley and them guys got to witness all of that. A lot of face palming going on. <laughs> just would, Crowley probably would have just laughed and left. But Mathers, I think, would have probably not liked what he saw. I no. Dion Fortune. Well, they like wouldn't that. have thought that it was a good... I mean, I think that it, it it depends on where they were coming from. Like, you know, anyone in Victorian England would probably disapprove of everything that's going on now. But... Um, in general, but I, I, I it had other elements, you know, like instead they were, they were bringing in Freemasons and, you know, people that were already established and stuff like that. And well, yeah, uh, the Rosicrucian lodges. And right. Coming in and, the... and ISIS was putting flyers out and just initiating anyone who could scrape together the initiation fee. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it was very different. But I mean, I think that they, you know, in general, they might, because while that was going on in a bubble, you know, there were other things going on in other bubbles, and we didn't have a link yet. I mean, there was one guy in Georgia that was calling in, and it was a BBS, it, was, it wasn't even the internet yet, and and uh, that's how we ended up with the first satellite temples. You know, remember the satellite, I remember the satellite temples. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. They all became the CSS. There were a bunch of them in the end. I know. I, I always thought about years later. You know, I actually drove by the old store. Nice. Oh know, yeah, yeah. Over on mountain. Yeah, over on mountain. By the and, Togos. Mm -hmm. And I I always hope that. Talk about cause and effect. I hope that the people that remember me don't remember me as what he painted me, but may realize that he was really doing that to me, and that right. you know, at least some of them. He, you I, know, as far as I know, he, I mean, he might have been talking to people one on one about you, but he wasn't talking to groups about, of people about you. You know, so I don't know mm -hmm. what. I don't, I, I, people remembered you fondly, I think. Yeah. I liked them all. You know, that was so hard. And I, I was devastated when that happened to me. Yeah. That was like being raped. Yeah. That was a, that was a raping. I was, you know, and, and, and you can talk about this to, to people out there in the world, but tell you, you know, and this is where these things are very real on, on all these levels for people that live it. When you are told by people of the second order that are so strong and that you look up to, and they tell you that the chiefs of the third order have decided that you not only cannot be in the group, but you have to be reverse circumambulated. Mm. That basically is telling you that you don't exist. That, that fucking hurt yeah. so much. That pain, that was, that was like a rape. To me, that was the most one of the most invasive things I've ever gone through. To know that they went through backwards and erased me, 
that that sucked, man. You know, and it made me so angry. But then I, you know, and then we, I started. We get, went through it again, though. Huh? You came, you came back at when when TDL was yeah, in charge. And we, we did. We did it again. We did it again. I did my second one. That's right. Yeah. Um, by the way, what about we're jumping ADHD mm-hmm. guys? We both have this. <laughs> um, Pat- Patricia, um, 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 Patricia Monaster. Oh, in France. She's in France. Oh wait, no. I the only Patricia I knew was in France. I'm not sure who you were referring um, to. Chris Monaster. Oh yeah, Patricia's her. I don't. Name. Is she? She's is she still alive? alive? I don't know. I haven't heard that she died. So I she was she... who I first was taking classes from way before I was in the Golden Dawn. Pope Runyon now runs the Golden Dawn Temple that she. Uh, I they, they apparently don't have a direct charter from her. They just have her furniture, but um. Like they're 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 connected to her somehow. Yeah, we used to meet. I used to meet with her at the Masonic Lodge in Venice Beach. That's Regardi's furniture, actually. That's Regardi's old pillars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Those were her pillars. Were, yeah, were. I I I actually went through that. That was my my first the first time I went through anything was with her, hmm. and then she disappeared. And I think about her all the time. I think about her. Like, Patricia Beeman. Is that her Pat, last name? Pat Beeman or Chris Minostri. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pat Beeman. Yeah, I'd like to find her and see if she's still alive. Yeah. What's going on with her? Well, she she was freaked out by all the the Golden Dawn Wars of 1995 on mm-hmm. the internet. You know, when the internet fucked. It's so crazy. The my my dad my dad had a my dad Sorry. had a great quote about when you put a bunch of hermits in isolated dungeons by themselves for eons and you have them all discover light on their own and then you open up all the doors at once. What happens? You know, they they're all competing. You know, for their yeah. and that, and it's interesting because I read that a, a bunch of times and then the internet started. To, you know, I mean, I was like, oh, this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. You know that. that all these uh, chief adepts. It's funny when chief adepts are acting like fucking roosters, you know, yeah. and the, the, the neophytes are acting like what the chief adepts should be acting like. Uh-huh. You know? So That's crazy stuff. I think about her, and I, I, I lost touch with her. Hmm. And it was really hard. You know who else passed away? It was George from Panpipes. Oh. I remember him. I heard, There was a... Funny story about him, and I won't say the girl's name, but she was a student of mine. Okay. And uh, she was when she was like fourteen. She was a Catholic school girl, so she went in there. I'm pretty sure this is about George. Forgive me, George, from wherever you are, if this is about someone else. But um, she went in there, and she was like, "What's this? Oh, what does this do?" And she's really cute, you yeah. know. And uh, he's like locking the door, you know. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, "Well, I'm gonna lock up here." Um, I, uh, you, you can stay if you want to, but I'm going to have to like, uh, make an ingredient for this, uh, c- concoction that I'm working on. You could actually help me with that if you don't mind. And she's like, well, what do I have to do? He's like, you don't have to make do anything. Just sit over there. Yeah. And then he proceeded to make the semen that he needed yeah, for of course, the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, that and then George. she left. That was George. I remember when I worked there, I had a woman that was a doctor that was having a really torrid affair. And she was gorgeous. The only way, best way I could explain this woman was she, and I, I'm not a Disney fan, but the animated character that plays Aladdin's girlfriend or wife in the, in the cartoon. Oh, yeah. Jasmine? Jasmine. She looked just like her. Oh, I heard life. that. Yeah. And this woman would come in and she would take off all her clothes mm. and, and, I would, and I would put sigillum all over her body in dove's blood. Nice. And it, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy wow. time to get a spell work done. George and I would do some crazy things in there. 
But then I heard some really bad things. I heard a few things. I actually, I brought it up with Fruza Bulk when she called. Um, to, I, I happened to answer the phone, and it's like, yeah, this is Fruza Bulk. Could you tell me what it says on my record where I'm like, and so it's like, sorry, it's taking a minute to pull up. And so I couldn't resist it. I was like, you know, I used to hang around pan pipes hoping I'd run into you. And she was like, oh, you know. And so then I kind of introduced myself. And, and, uh, well, you'll meet her Friday. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. Should we? Oh, yeah, we were going to mention that. Yeah, we should. I mean, it's not like, you know, come one, come all. Because yeah, sure well, all I the mean, people are, are already signed uh, up to go. But Yeah, well, we're doing, um, my, one, of my, one of my dearest friends in life um, has moved on to the Greater Feast, as they say in the LTO. <laughs> And uh, he's he's. Is left that the one where Crowley makes you eat shit? <laughs> I hope not, because Freddie will be really pissed. But um, we're gonna do a, um, we're gonna do a memorial service for him over at at um, Hollywood Forever, and the uh, old Masonic Hall. You're gonna do a Golden Dawn Requiem for us. Gonna do a Requiem, and uh, yeah, and apparently Feruza Balk's gonna be there, so no pressure. <laughs> Just doing a Golden Dawn Requiem in front of. I know she is a Nokia ball. fan, from what I understand. But uh, I was thinking about what it, I thought we could have done, like a like Libra Rush or something. Hmm. You know. Honestly, I'm. But, my dad told me, you know, to stay away from Crowley, and then you know that was that was uh, <laughs> hang up too. Really. And so when we got into the second order, part of the oath was not to do Crowley and magic. So I don't even know what you're making reference to right oh, now. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Rush, yeah. I'm just strictly traditional Golden Dawn, which is awesome, you know. I mean, I like it. I like it. Puts me in Gold- an interesting position because Thelemites are fascinated by that. They're like, mm-hmm. "What? Lima. You don't know Crowley? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know this simple like quote that I'm making mm-hmm. reference to." I'm like, oh. I've, "I've I've only known what people have made reference to or what I've overheard." You know, mm-hmm. like, I've never actually. I saw pictures of them on my wall in the bedroom. I remember. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that actually. I've I opened up my confessions book the other day. And I found roses from your mom's funeral. Mm. Pressed in the book. I remember that. My grandma was freaked out because of all the witches singing uh, weird things. Oh man, yeah. She. Oh, and then oh, it was funny because I was. I had to explain. I was like, uh, "There's a temple in your house, grandma." And um, what it was. What's she doing? Oh, she died years ago. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, in 2006. Um, but she, I had to tell her that the temple was here and that it, you know, and so I was telling her it's Rosicrucians and she said, what's that? And I'm like, well, it, you know, you know, Martin Luther. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it was something kind of secret he was doing on the side. And she's like, when really? you the night shift. So then I've got all these priests, the priests at Forest Lawn are reading the Amork website, trying to find the connection with Martin Luther, <laughs> you know, to try to explain who all these the people Amor- are the Amor- that are singing Wiccan songs. That's so funny. <laughs> By the way, um, another great thing that a lot of people don't realize, and, and I don't think even Bowie heads don't get this, mm. but um, there's a song... Um, that he plays on Man Who Sold the, Man Who Sold the World. It's called Width of a Circle. Hmm. Um, if you listen to the opening segment on guitar, it doesn't match the rest of the song. Hmm. It turns into this rocket song after it goes down, 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 down. There's go down, 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 right. That that intro is um. It's Width of a Circle, which is a Wiccan song. Oh. We are a circle within a circle. 
uh, beginning, never ending. Oh, cool! Yeah, and, and he that completely it. put it in there. Oh, so cool. listen to the beginning of it, and you'll hear "Circle Within a Circle." Nice. And it, he called it "With a well, Circle." Well, I, I could even splice that in later. I'll do some sound games. Yeah, it's amazing. Nice. We are a circle within a circle, yeah. So, or all in all is all we are, as Kurt yeah. Cobain said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all we are is all we are. And then, like, well, what is it? What does he say in quicksand? He says, I'm closer to the golden dawn dressed in Crowley's uniform of, Im- of imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is totally... Totally into it, man. He was. But that's really neat how he he went with the Golden Dawn Crowley and not the OG. Yeah, movie. yeah. Um, well, Before it kind the of was telling. He was he <laughs> he had read enough to know he yeah. was reading Fortune and and Wait and a few other people yeah. besides Crowley. So he he had a a sense of the context, but he definitely related with Crowley because he was the one that was bisexual and on drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, duh. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I can that. Hey, yeah. Iggy, what are you doing later? <laughs> No. It's like, no, I prefer Yeats. Hey, man, hey, I man. like his poetry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, fucking Bowie. He's so fucking hot. Yeah. He's so hot. He's so fucking hot. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome well, stuff. thank you for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Thank you for Absolutely. bringing me here. This was an amazing chance to come full circle. Yeah. Pulling into the driveway was amazing. Nice. And seeing it, and then backing, I backed out, parked on the street, but I, I was, I was looking for the white BMW. <laughs> I remember. Oh yeah. Your mother let me take the BMW, and I, I was learning to drive stick, <laughs> and I was coming up Townsend, and I couldn't get the car to go up the hill because I couldn't oh. get it good. It kept going. <laughs> she had to come and come over, and you guys had that. Uh, Isuzu Trooper or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. And she had to come down and get the car up the hill for me. <laughs> Oh my god! That's and you know, and you know, the other thing that still haunts me that I feel really bad that I did, and it was me being a spaz, not being reckless, but it was reckless. <laughs> is it still? Does it still look like? Can you see where the dartboard was out on the front porch, throwing the darts? Oh! And it went. Oh! No, on this. Out on the front porch. Oh no! Stone porch. Oh! When you go out the front door to the left, there's little holes where I was throwing darts. That's funny. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're some on the other side of that door. but Really? Yeah, I wonder what yeah. those were. I had tinfoil on the walls, on the, on the windows. Yeah. And, oh my god. What, the, room that, the room that is now the L.A. Sanctuary was what? Was my your, den of iniquity. Your first dungeon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The exact same room. Which, oh my god. Which had previously been my great, great, great grandmother's room where she secretly smoked a corncob pipe back in the teens. So crazy. <laughs> like the teens of the previous century, I mean. And I used to crawl around and go up, go up in the attic in front with, with, with the blue glass. Oh, wow. And uh, get the pigeon eggs out of the nest. Oh, my God. a ritual. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm sure I got a fiance that's freaking out because I'm not responding to her. Oh, um, God. So I should go. Okay. Well, um, you'll have a valid, you'll have an alibi when this goes up online. Yeah. And uh, and thank you very much. And we'll thank talk to you Thank you and soon. 770. Much love to you. 770. Thank you, Sal, for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you to the monks on Mount Koyasan, 
Thank you to Brian Dahl and to Jonathan Goldman and to you, the esoteric nerd listening to this podcast. If you have nothing to do, maybe you're looking for something to distract yourself from the really boring thing that you're working on. Maybe log into iTunes and search VH Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Maybe leave a review. I look forward to reading it. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Good night.